Welcome to the Edge of the Wild podcast. Once you start this journey, there is no telling what may happen. There are no safe paths in this part of the world. Remember, you are over the edge of the wild now and in for all sorts of fun wherever you go. Welcome to Edge of the Wild podcast. I am really excited again to welcome a friend of many years. This morning, Dave Decker is with us. He is going to share with us some of his own journey and experiences and uh, with a particular focus on his own sense of vocation and calling, no doubt, as well. But Dave, thanks for joining us today, man. Great to have you. Yeah, great to be here. Got uh, got a mostly hot cup of coffee. Uh, just noticed it's it's on its way to becoming cold, so I've got to drink it uh, as we go here. But um, uh, it's sunny, it's warm, it's a good day in South Dakota, and uh, I'm glad to be with you. Well, man, I'm glad you have the sunshine and the warmth. We're uh, wet and, and cool today here in central Ohio, so I'm glad that somebody's getting it. Yeah, well, uh, come hang out in January and you won't feel, uh, you won't feel <laughs> jealous at all. <laughs> hey, actually... Strange that um, we're talking to South Dakota, but my first mission trip ever was to South Dakota as a as a preteen. I think I was like maybe twelve or thirteen, and uh, we went out west um, to um, Rosebud Indian Reservation. Actually, yeah, I have a friend who lives there. Yeah, it was uh, such an influential experience for me at such a young age. I think I was the youngest member on the team. And um, we had a great privilege of meeting some wonderful people. I think we, the project was going to uh, de-shingle and re-shingle a church-slash-home for boys on the reservation. And um, just the lay of the landscape made me feel, you know, I'm in a different different place than what I'm used to. Yeah. You know, like, it, it felt so different, but it was, yeah, it was a, it was a momentous experience. So, so how long have you been in South Dakota? Um, most of my life, I, um, was born, my dad was in the Air Force, um, and so I was born in Oklahoma on the base there, and then a few years after, um, I was born, he got out, he served, um, during Vietnam, and, uh, was stateside, and was an air traffic controller, um, and then they, my mom and dad wanted to move back to the farm where he grew up. I went to school here and never thought I'd still be living here, but um, I love it. It's a great place to, we, we always tell people it's a great place to live, but you wouldn't want to visit right. <laughs> the, where, where we live on the uh, eastern part of the, of the state. But I, I really do love it. It's, uh, it's got uh, its own sort of beauty and the sky is enormous um, uh, where you don't always get that in the middle of the in the middle of the city, and um, so it's been a great place to grow up and a great place to live. That's awesome, man. In fact, you, you said something there about the enormous sky, and actually that was one of my enduring memories of being there. Was I mean, the landscape where we were in South Dakota was pretty barren in terms of trees. Mm-hmm. There were only a few trees here and there, lots of small rolling hills, uh, but the yep. sky was just huge. I remember you know feeling that as a, a really young uh, uh, guy, you know, just getting lost in it and um the storms too were, were amazing so yeah watching watching the storms roll across so so where i grew up 
is very much like where you visited in Rosebud, except for minus the rolling hills. So okay. <laughs> if you see trees, it's uh, you're like, oh, somebody planted those, and there's a house <laughs> nearby. Or else if you see trees, you're like, oh, there's water there. So there's a river or something. Where we live is just a lot of farmland, a lot of uh, prairie and, uh, and that kind of thing. But, yeah, watching the storms roll in, um, I have a great... Uh, memory of uh, going camping with my son. There's a near the center of the state, there's a national grassland, which is kind of a funny thing. It's just a giant, giant area with a bunch of grass. Um, but somehow it's a, it's a national uh, park. And because of that, you can camp um, and, uh, and kind of hang out wherever you want. So we found a place to camp near this, um, near this stream and watch this storm roll in across the prairie for like three, four hours, you could see it slowly coming across. And um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty uh, amazing. Um, it's very much, uh, very much, I don't know if you listen to Rich Mullins or have or, or did or whatever, oh, yeah. but um, he's got some, uh, some music about that. And I love, um, I love uh, those, the pictures that he paints, because it reminds me of growing up on the farm and seeing stuff come in like that. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, Rich is, again, a big source of inspiration for me when I was younger. I had a chance to actually work with him and promoting him at an event once, but I think I know the exact line of the song you're you're talking about. And I think he's talking about, um, maybe it's another one, but he's talking about Kansas, I think. But he says, uh, across uh, the... Uh, the prairies, the whole universe is mm-hmm. still, or something like this, mm-hmm. or the Badlands. He actually does talk about the Badlands too. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Talks about uh, there's fury in a pheasant's wings. Yes, and uh, that's a great line because when that pops up, when a when a bird pops up when you're walking along like that, it's just like uh, scares you and adrenaline and um, this like holy, really great fury uh, and beauty um, in the nothing that a lot of people see, but is very much a something. Yes, you know he he was an amazing lyricist. So this is off topic, but can I share a brief story of Rich Mullins with you? It it was a uh, yeah quite funny. So um, so he and I also shared uh, interest in Ireland, and uh, I know for some of our podcast listeners that they've already had a chance to hear me share a little bit about our journey, having lived over in Ireland for over a decade. But um, when I was uh, promoting Rich and Mitch McVicker one night at Taylor University in Indiana. Um, when I was there, <clears throat> ahead of time, we'd feed all of our team, you know, the, the runners, the, the light and sound guys, um, you know, our, our, our security crew, and then the artists. We'd feed them all um, just down below ahead of the show. And we were down there eating, and I was talking with Rich about having been to Ireland I think this was this must have been late '96 because I had just been there twice early '96, and uh, and, and got engaged actually on the second trip to my wife. But uh, we were talking about it, and this young uh, girl, she was probably a year or two younger than me at college, um, who was helping out with the show, overheard us talking about Ireland, and Rich said how much he loved it, and and then we started talking about Guinness, the pubs, and Guinness over there, and. Uh, and I saw her kind of, you know, thinking hard for a second. And she asked Rich a question, um, which his response was just amazing. She said, you know, oh, Rich, could I ask you, what's the um, percentage of alcohol in a pint of Guinness? 
And for me, like coming from the, the evangelical background that I came from in the church, um, I, I had a sense that this question was coming from a place of, well, is it okay for you to be drinking that alcohol <laughs> you know, to, to rich? And so she was, and because of kind of the pedestal that sometimes people would put him and people like him on, you know, in, in the industry, uh, and maybe particularly him in some ways because of that kind of really edgy prophetic vibe, you know, that I think Rich brought and still brings through his music. You know, she was kind of checking it out, checking him out to see, is he still okay, if you will? That's <laughs> what it felt like. So she asked him, you know, Rich, what's the percentage of alcohol in a pint of Guinness? Because he had said how much he enjoyed it. And he, he paused for just a second. He goes, ah, you know, I get to drinking a few and it just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he told me or he, 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 that was his response to her uh, um, so and you know what I think what, what, what he was doing was absolutely appropriate and it really was mirrored in how he ended his um, his shows his gigs because I think what he was trying to do was in a sense pull the, the pedestal out from underneath him that she and maybe others tried to put him on you know he yeah. just removed it he kicked it out by, by that comment. And in a similar way, at the end of his gigs, he would often walk off stage um, while the last worship song, you know, was, was, was being played and people were singing worship to God. He, he disappeared. He stepped off stage. I think that's just a, that was just a beautiful picture, you know, and even in that comment <laughs> of his unwillingness to be the center of attention and be lifted up, you know, it, yeah. in, in the place of Jesus, you know, so... Yeah, that's that's, I, I love that. I love that. Um, a bunch of years ago, I I interviewed a guy named Tim um, Foreman, who's in a band called Switchfoot, and I um, was was working at this place, and we were doing um, interviews kind of before the summer festival of, of bands that were coming in, and I asked him um, because at the time they were Switchfoot was doing a bunch of. Um, like service as part of what they were doing. And, and they would, um, they also host this thing called the Bro-Am, which is like they really invest yeah. in their community. And uh, not everybody does that kind of thing with their with their platform. And I just was asking like, why why do you guys do this? Or what what's going on with you? And he said, we believe what really matters is who you are when you step off stage. So when you just said that line about Rich stepping off stage, um, that has been for, for us, for for lights out even as one of our defining um lines of like what we want to help other people understand is it it matters who you are when you step off stage so i love that rich uh that rich story uh both both meanings a very rich story but also that it's about rich (laughs) and uh and that it matters to him um when he steps off stage uh, who the focus is on. Yeah, fantastic. Well, this is a great segue, uh, which you've just, um, you know, I, I think I set it up and you took it and you, you did a, a slam dunk there. So let's go ahead and move straight into, tell us about Lights Out. Um, uh, but before we do that, if you're willing, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, just your, your your personal life. You're, you're married, you have a family. Yeah, um, I've been married uh, 26 years, um, got a couple kids who are out of the home, at least temporarily. They're, uh, college age students. Uh, my oldest is graduating this, um, this like in a month. And, uh, and then we still have a, a daughter in high school, 
my son um, is uh, starting uh, school this fall and has been working, took a gap year um, this past year. And so, yeah, lived in this area a long time. I really love um, the town that I live in. I live in a town called Sioux Falls. Um, I have a love for this area. I care about our town. I care about our community and invested in in that. There's been multiple times where we've had like job offers or people are like, hey, you know, what do you think about doing this job in this town and coming here? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a really great thing, but I want that for my town. So like, let's let's make that happen here. Let's what, what could we do to really pour into this community? And so, for whatever reason. God has us here. Um, I grew up very close to here. Never thought I'd still be living here. Thought after uh, uh, I went to college and then graduate school here. And then uh, I thought after that, man, I'm ready to move to the coast. In fact, I was working um, uh, at a church at the time with the youth group. And I only gave them a one-year commitment. I would only give them a one-year commitment because I had a year left of school. And I'm like, well, when I graduate, hey, man, I'm moving to where the surf and the snow are and uh, and I'm piecing out because I'm sure God has some rad thing for me to do out in the Pacific Northwest or yeah. on the coast somewhere. Um, but I'm here, and uh, and in what I currently do, uh, I'm able to travel to those places and go grab some snow um, with my family and snowboard every year. Uh, so that's been a, a giant uh, blessing. Um, but then come back to the place where we really feel called um, to be based and the place that we really love. And... Uh, and serve here. Um, I grew up on a farm about an hour west of here. Um, loved that. Uh, it was a great way to grow up and uh, spent a lot of time out on a horse uh, chasing cattle around. Um, a lot of time on a tractor cultivating or fixing fence, walking around. Like a lot of maybe maybe really boring stuff, I suppose. <laughs> but also, uh, also very... Um, a lot of space, a lot of space in the sky uh, above me, a lot of space around me to think and to listen, and um, and then a full house of, uh, you know, shared a bedroom with my brother, and my sister shared a bedroom, and my parents were there, so there's four ki- four of us kids, so uh, a full house, um, but outside a lot of space, and so, uh, so that, I think, shaped a lot of who I am and what I do, and, uh, and how I, you know, kind of see my life aiming today we um we had a lot of we had neighbors you know there's people lived nearby that we would always help um since I was man my very earliest memories of being on the farm were going in checking cattle and swinging by our neighbor's house and seeing how he was doing it was an older guy and then um my uncles and family friends coming over to see how we were doing and helping out and uh, working together and so that um that lifestyle or mindset of like, we help each other. Like that just, I don't, I don't remember a time where that wasn't part of how normal life operated. And so I think that probably had a lot to do with shaping the way that I see my community now and, Mm -hmm. and what we do. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. The, The experiences we've had from early age and the places that we grew up really do form and shape us. And, um, uh, you know, and that rootedness that you're really hinting at um, is something I think that's, you know, something that we all desire, if I can speak for all people. But, you know, there's a, a this connectedness that, that comes from that rootedness that everyone 
probably really longs for, but not many people seem to have as much of nowadays. So there's kind of a premium, you know, I think, uh, a, a, a hunger for it, you know, there's a premium put on it. Yeah. For people's I, lives, so. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember being, um, in my, one of my first like full-time jobs after school. Um, and a person who had been in ministry longer than me said, um, if you could stay there for seven years, like that, that would be amazing. Like, like think about that, look at that as, as success. Um, because a lot of folks in like, even in my class, guys who graduated with me or gals who, who were, um, in school with me, I would see what they were doing and be like, Oh, they're at this cool place or they're at this cool job. Or they just, they were at this place and then they moved up and they went to this next level and went to this place and then they leveled up and went, and that would be every few years. And, um, and so redefining for me what success might look like in longevity, uh, was kind of a was a pretty big paradigm shift for me. Like, what would it look like if I did this? And I think what that does for you when, and it doesn't mean that you have to stay somewhere everywhere and it's not for everyone. And, you know, so I'm not trying to make some broad statement, but it, in my experience, it helped me to get to the end of myself. And um, I had maybe three years of, of good uh, material, <laughs> maybe two years, depending on who you asked, of me. Like the kingdom of Dave was pretty rad. And, uh, and then I kind of ran out of stuff and um, got to the end of who I was and then really started to have to dig a little deeper in what I was sharing in ministry for that community. And so I think that um, the beauty of longevity in a space is that it allows you to get to the end of who you are and um, who God is uh, through you Mm -hmm. um, begins to emerge uh, a little bit stronger and so um, so that was that was a good thing I don't know where that where that why I thought of that but yeah Yeah, yeah. no charge thank you well hey uh, we will come back circling back around to some of these defining moments that kind of set us on the path to who we are and what we're up to today uh, but before, we actually originally, I think, connected because of a similar sense of vocation and passion to invest in artists' lives and their families pastorally. And um, I, you know, when I first started on this journey of myself, um, I really did not know many people who were doing this kind of work. Um, it was very niche, you know, very specific um, and the more and more um, I came to have a, a better understanding of my own sense of vocation, I wanted to find others who were doing something similar, and they were hard to find. And, and um, you know, c- come to find out that whenever God's doing something, it's usually a team effort, the body of Christ coming together to bring their collective gifts and skills to bear on His desires for the world. And so I ended up bumping into you and a number of other people who are, are investing in artists, really, to help them uh, fulfill their calling that God has given them um, as fully uh, and effectively as possible. So um, I wanted to invite you to share uh, about the ministry that God has led you to launch and the work that you do for a few minutes, if you may. Yeah. Um, so I run a nonprofit, um, called lights out and it all comes from the idea that, 
it matters who you are when you step off stage. So when the lights go out, and for me that that um, before I had that conversation with Tim, when we were um, kicking around this idea of a nonprofit, um, it was because I had just left a job in youth ministry that I loved, and the Wednesday night was when we had our big uh, celebration gathering where kids would come together at the at the church that I worked at and the darkest part of the day it was always, it's always darkest after it's brightest for me and walking out of the room and flipping that light switch down was always the worst part of my I was like ugh and then for whatever reason I always felt chased by um the worst and you know, uh, negative thoughts and, um, negative ways of thinking and negative ways of being, um, really just followed that. And so I made it a habit to get in touch with a couple of my good buddies. And on the way home, uh, would typically make a phone call and just reach out to someone because, um, I felt very disconnected and alone right after I felt the most connected and, Mm. um, at the height of what I was doing. And so when those lights went out, man, that was like, ugh, I could just feel it. And so, um, so I left that job in, in youth ministry and thought I was going to go get another job, had a couple other places lined up, really thought I had a great, um, um, opportunity and had great recommendations. And I mean, you know, Hey, it was me. So (laughs) how am I not going to get this job? I'm, I'm, I'm kicking butt here. And, uh, and heard from the same um, couple churches that I was working at or I was applying to one that I thought for sure I'd get the job and one that was kind of a safety, uh, backup. I heard from both on the same day that they were going in a different direction mm. and it freaked me out. It was an ego hit for, for one. And then it was, uh, like, what on earth are we going to do? I mean, I have a family, uh, I didn't have a job lined up. Um, uh, it was, a, uh, a bit of a tumultuous exit, uh, as they sometimes can be. And, um, and I didn't have a job lined up. I had some, um, some funds coming in from the church. The church was kind and gave us uh, um, some money for uh, several months as after we exited. But um, yeah, I was just freaked out. And so we had in this parallel timeline uh, to being in ministry and working full time at a church. Um, I had been volunteering with a music festival and um, and first was the dude I just ran uh, the jumpy house. <laughs> so yeah, that was yeah, yeah. that was a pretty uh, a pretty high uh, uh, on the list of stuff that people wanted to do. So they're like, "Yeah, uh, would you be willing to do that?" So I'm like, "Yeah, I'll help. I'll help do that." Um, and then eventually, I was booking the bands uh, for this festival for their B stage, for their like rock stage. Um, and uh, a bunch of years later, and got to know a lot of these bands, got to know their stories, and it's a good hour on stage, but there's 23 others in the day that um, mm-hmm. that normal life has to happen for these guys and gals, and so we began to develop a heart for touring uh, artists, for t- the touring community, guys who were on stage, guys who were off stage, um, bus drivers, crew members, guys who were part of production, um, and uh, just started caring for them when they come through Sioux Falls. So we're not necessarily a destination for a lot of big tours or a lot of uh, a lot of bands, but we're on the way to a lot of places. We're right on the interstate, uh, two big interstates. And so um, so we would host guys here and gals here, and there we'd feed them. And um, and I remember specifically seeing this band ca- uh, called Willet, um, and one of the guys was in high school still and was doing um, school like uh, like homeschool basically doing school online mm-hmm. 
and was in our uh, living room and just sitting there. And on stage, they just looked like such big personalities and such like mature dudes. And he looked like such a little kid. I'm like, that's a that's a sophomore in high school Mm. or that's a junior in high school. Like that's just And anyways, I just remember this this switch being flipped in me to really care about who that was as a person and like when the when the lights go out for that kid like what is how alone is he or how does he feeling and got to know that for so many of these guys and gals there um it is a great hour but then they're navigating this weird alternate timeline where people back home are living life and having experiences uh and that's ongoing and these guys kind of exit that timeline and um and they need someone to care for them each night they're in places that people probably love them, but the next day those people are gone and they don't know their story and there's really no following accountability with them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we had a burden um, that was developed in us, like I said, kind of this alternate timeline. And these timelines converged at that moment where I didn't have a job, I didn't know what I was gonna do, and my sure thing job that I thought I was gonna go into fell through. Yeah. And so we said, what if, uh, and actually my sister-in-law said, well, what, what if you, um, maybe this would be an opportunity for you to pursue that kind of hobby that you guys have been doing with these bands. And, um, and she had in mind kind of a little different track of doing it with, um, with the ministry that we had been volunteering with. Uh, but I just sat down then and started writing down thoughts. And I really feel mm-hmm. like that was a gift from God that, um, maybe didn't all come in that one moment, but maybe had been uh, stored in a file for a really long time. And then uh, finally I was given the password to that file and just started saying, well, what if we did this? Mm. Well, how about if we went to festivals? What if we had an RV? Uh, I'd been driving by this RV for six, eight months that had just been setting on this lot. We knew the guy who owned the lot. What if they let us use that? What if we... Um, did this ministry? What if we, and a lot of what we, I had as ideas were pretty grandiose as far as, you know, we're going to do this three-year plan and then we're going to um, develop these things so that we can really pour into artists and they'll, they'll learn this and this and this. Well, developing relationships with them, um, you know, took a lot longer. And so it looks more like a seven-year plan, I think, than a three-year plan. Hey friends, let me take this opportunity to say thank you for your encouragements regarding Edge of the Wild podcast thus far. It's my great privilege to be on this journey with you as we discover unexplored territory together. If you wouldn't mind to take one minute to review the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it on and leave a rating for us. That helps to get the word out further afield and invites more people to join us as we journey together. If you have any suggestions or critical feedback, I welcome them. Please email me at edgeofthewildpodcast at gmail.com and I will read those and take those into consideration as we continue to develop the podcast. If you'd like to go beyond the Edge of the Wild, further in and further up, so to speak, you can support us financially with whatever amount you'd like, either a one-time gift or reoccurring gift, through our parent organization site that is Soul Friend. The URL there is artistsoulfriend.com. That's A-R-T-I-S-T-S-O-U-L. F-R-I-E-N-D dot C-O-M where you can make a secure donation. Also, you will find us on Patreon at Edge of the Wild Podcast and I'll be continuing to develop that platform for the podcast as we continue. 
So first of all, and uh, most of all, let me say thank you again. I am very grateful to be here with you and your support means everything. The best is yet to come. Yeah. Um, but what came out of that was us sitting down with people who we trust and loved. Um, in the Quaker tradition, it's called the Clarity Council, I think. Mm -hmm. And I uh, had, had a friend who suggested doing that and said, ask your, ask your people, like, is this crazy? Is this a thing? Um, had the opportunity to uh, be at, down in Nashville uh, about that same time and uh, reach out to a guy who's uh, who I'd gone mountain biking with and had gotten to know a little bit, uh, um, who was in a band called, called Audio Adrenaline at that time, a guy named Will McGinnis. And Will was running a showcase and an artist showcase at this, uh, at this week in Nashville um, for Christian Music uh, GMA Awards. And, uh, and so he said, yeah, just come, come hang out. We'll chat. And so I went and bent his ear for quite a while about my ideas and like, what if we did this? And what, what if we did this? And what if we did this? And he's like, yeah, I think there's something here. It would be a, take a weird type of person to do it, but I think you're the right kind of weird. <laughs> and so, um, so that Clarity Council, uh, reaching out to friends, um, asking some folks that we knew in the industry, like, is this a thing? Is there a need here for someone to minister to this people group? And it's not, um, it's not really anything different than any other person who's trying to care for others, it's just the people group happens to be unique and their, um, their home base is the road. And so that's where we really try to, try to seek to um, step into that, into that gap where um, we're trying to provide soul care mm -hmm. for people uh, and who are consistently away from home and hope and health. And, uh, and if we can step into that gap to provide um, that's really what we feel called to do. So that, that started in uh, the fall of 08. And uh, then in the spring of 09, we went to our first festival and then have been doing that um, ever since and relying on the support of kind people, individuals uh, to pay our bills and, um, and some uh, couple churches that also step in and, uh, and give us some uh, donations as part of their mission budget. But, um, yeah, it's been amazing. It's, uh, it's been a combination of things that are the worst and that are things that are the best. Sure. And, um, and typically the move into the best comes when I realize it. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this thing is the worst. This, I can't believe this happened. This, this is, this is going to be terrible, you know. And I'm, and I'm angry at God and I'm like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, and then maybe months later, maybe weeks later, I come to the realization that what has happened has uh, opened in me an awareness to a good thing um, that I'm being taught because of this thing that has happened. Mm -hmm. And um, and I I don't believe I, I don't my my theology maybe isn't isn't shaped in the way that I'm like oh yeah God made this thing happen um, so that this could happen. I believe God. Uh, I believe God teaches and shapes me um, through the things that have happened. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. It but, totally um, does, yeah, for all of us. So, so yeah, so I, 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 um, we ended up starting a nonprofit. We ended up figuring out how to do that, uh, reading all this legal crap. I did a deep dive and submitted our documents and got a lot of good help and good advice and um, some starting documents from some good friends. And... Uh, 
yeah, submitted that, and the IRS sent us a letter, and you know, was, hey, great job, and you're you're all good to go, and nice. um, yeah, and that was uh, 13 years ago. Yeah, so I, I guess I didn't realize how similar our own sense of call, at least in their early stages, um, was. I mean, for me, I remember the you know actually listening to you talk about working with these artists and you know ha- having compassion on them. You know, and you realized you know the, the the unique pressures and experiences that they're having, living life on the road. You know. I mean, only on that stage, like you said, for an hour, and everything seems great on the stage, typically. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of life in that hour, as you said. And then um, that sense of call grew out of compassion, in a sense, it sounds like. And I, my experience was similar working um, in college, promoting um, gigs. I, I was able to work with artists for all four years I was in school and various aspects of, um, of promoting. And uh, I just remember after talking with some of these artists and interacting with them, how, I guess on the one hand, you know, they were expected to get up on stage and pour everything out, you know, for everyone who's out there enjoying their performance, you know, in a sense consuming, you know, like, um, you know, a drawdown from whatever the artist is offering. And then at the same time, I'm noticing this kind of uh, vacant stare in some of the artists eyes or this emptiness it seemed like like they were just trying to give out of nothing you know they they uh, just this empty place and so for me i think that's what the compassion kicked in you know and really wanting them to um, help artists particularly but but ultimately anybody who's on the stage you know whether it's figurative or literal um, who it has an inordinate amount of influence over others to really fulfill that calling god's given them as fully and as effectively as possible, and so it's our. It sounded like from what you sh- were sharing, you know, uh, some resonance there with the earlier years of our life and this that sense of call that grew out of a compassion, really, for people uh, that you were doing yeah. life with to some degree. So, so lights out uh, is is formed. You know, uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, I think you said, and yeah. uh, that looks like what you've alluded to. Uh, providing care for artists, their families, remotely. I know you've done stuff remotely through calls, obviously texts. Um, even more recently, during the pandemic, you were saying like uh, you know regular workouts with with some of the guys um, remotely. Getting swole. Getting swole, yeah. <laughs> but um, but also you know actually hitting the road and meeting artists yeah. where they're at, be it you know. Um, on tour, and I'm guessing at times maybe at home, and of course, as we've discussed previously, um, different different times we've spoken, you know, uh, trying to pour into them in repeat settings as well. Is there anything I missed, or like what's what's that? Look no, like? that's that's yeah. So it looks like um, I I think it looks like being a pastor, um, mm-hmm. and if you go to a church, if you're a church going person, and you have a have a good church that you like. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to compare this to some uh, bad experience someone has had, but um, in a good situation with uh, people that you trust, when you connect with them, sometimes it's like, hey, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, you know, kids are good, wife's good. And then sometimes when you talk to people you trust and they say, how's it going? And the wheels are coming off and yeah. things are not not going good so it's like that and it looks like that um uh relationally 
how that looks physically is that sometimes I fly to a city and I get picked up uh, and get on the, bu the bus and spend a week with the band. And at very minimum, we try to have a concept or a study or a passage that we're going through. And we do a Bible study each day. And that's about an hour. Sometimes it's before the show. Sometimes it's around supper time. Sometimes it's after the show at like 1 a.m. as we're going down the road and people are falling asleep and, uh, and staying awake and just depending on what's going on. And so, um, uh, and then I'm on the bus with them, you know, the rest of that time as well. And I'm helping set up and I'm helping to serve and I'm uh, putting new wheels on a broken drum case and, you know, mm -hmm. all, all of those kind of just normal uh, for me anyways, normal day-to-day, -day, like, yeah, we just help. We help each other, and we live life together for a week. And then I um, get dropped off at 4 a.m. Uh, at a weird <laughs> Salt Lake City airport that has a scary escalator uh, that keeps waking me up when I'm trying to sleep on a couch until security opens. And then I fly back home and uh, get on a text or get on a FaceTime call or get on um, – uh, maybe a Google Doc as we discuss a book that we're reading together or as we um, talk about how life is going or we talk about something that was discussed on the tour. Maybe somebody says, hey, you know, I'm going through this or could you keep, could you, could you talk to me um, every Thursday, you know, could we connect and have a, have a chat here? And, um, and it looks like that. And so a lot of the year, um, it used to be way more during the summer. I would go to music festivals more mm -hmm. and um, and connect with artists and really with the goal of deepening and developing relationships. And uh, and more and more it's widened to not just the summer and not just such a hectic schedule in the summer, but really trying to jump on a tour here and there. And so I'm with one band, but there's inevitably other bands either in the bus with us or on the tour who I get to connect with and get to meet them and uh and develop relationships with them as well and get to know uh get to know their story they get to know that i'm a person they can trust with their story and then ministry comes out of that and like i said sometimes it's just oh yeah i know that guy uh he's nice and sometimes it's uh, we're really walking through some deep um stuff together yeah. and uh and i'm just trying to serve and help them navigate that the best way that I know how and the best way that um, that they can do that and uh, so yeah that's yeah, kind of what that looks like very much needed extremely powerful and significant work um, you know in regard to the value uh, for those artists and their families you know when the, when they come back home to them oftentimes you know this is um, you know I, I couldn't stand with you more in this work that God's called you to feeling called to it um, to myself too to a degree and the work that I've been involved in with Soul Friend but what I'm loving actually as you're talking is you know early on you shared some of your experiences growing up in this place you know in um, Eastern South Dakota and that connect, that rootedness um, that comes from connectedness in your community with your family and, and those whom you lived around and shared life with and what I'm loving is, you know, how God has taken those experiences you had early on and really is allowing you then to go back and turn that out for the good of others. Really in lights out is kind of sounds like to me what you're you're offering the same thing that you were gifted when you're in your younger years. You know, you're offering this uh, connectedness that ultimately helps root these artists, you know, that they're not just, um, you know, untethered 
and disconnected as they try to fulfill their calling, you know, through um, uh, their art, you know, as they create and share it. But with that that, um, same experiences that you had in some regards, you know, you're able then to gift it, like pass it on, if you will, pay it forward Mm. to these artists, which I love. So so I see how, you know, our good experiences, those times of of shalom, if you will, when everything seems to be going right, can be a way for us to pass on these gifts that were given during those times to others. But equally, it's true, I think, that our most dark and difficult seasons in our life, God will use those to form and shape us so that we have something as well to pass on to others for their good, you know, for the, for, um, to bless them and for the life of the world. So I was wondering if you could share even just briefly about a difficult season maybe in your own life which formed you for the calling that you're fulfilling now that God has given you. Yeah. Um, so... Um, I actually screenshot, I'm, I'm grabbing this right now. I screenshot this thing yesterday. Um, there's a guy named Daniel Jones who is in a band um, called For King and Country. And uh, so I follow him on, on the Insta. And he posted a thing that I took a screenshot of because I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, so someone named Anaka Enyong, E-N-A-K-A-E-N-Y-O-N-G, um, said it's so easily it's so easy to accidentally brand ourselves by our trauma. Yes, it's important to tell your story, but don't get stuck in what happened to you being the only thing you share with people. You've been much, you've you're much more than what you've been through and it's time to write the next chapter. And I I snapped that um because so often when I think of some of my uh especially what's what I've been doing the last 13 years, it was shaped deeply by my exit at the church, which was very, was tough. It was a, it was a, it was a hard chapter, but, um, but I don't want that to be the note that rings in people's ears. As I tell my story, what I want to hear is the grace and the, um, the best that followed the worst and see possibility, um, and even probability in, um, you haven't done the best thing your best days are still in front of you and behold, I do a new thing, um, says the Lord about, uh, about our lives and about what he's got going on. And I am a person who, uh, when we do a trip, when we do a a snowboarding trip out to, um, you know, out to Colorado, I want to, the next year, I'm like, okay, let's do that again because that was really fun. We ate here. We did this run. We went in these trees and the powder was really good. Let's, let's recreate that. And I, and I have a way more tendency to want to put my hands around that and to be God <laughs> so that I don't have to trust the real one with a possible different experience. Uh, so I don't know if others are like that, but I tend to be way too much like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so the idea of a new thing I love it. I love adventure, but I also love control of the situation. And so it's a tough, it's a tough thing to let that go. Um, so, so that piece, uh, uh, I just found interesting as you're, as you're asking this, um, uh, defining moment for sure would be a, a couple things. When I was a senior in high school, my dad died. He had had cancer. Um, when I was a sophomore, uh, went into remission, dad took had treatment and then um and then a couple years later it came back he had lymphoma non-hodgkin's lymphoma mm-hmm. um, which now there's a cure for but there wasn't at, at, at the time when my dad was um was sick 
And then he died my senior year. And um, our group prayed for him a ton. We were hoping that he would get better. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I mean, that, that sucked. It still sucks. I still miss him. Um, but that was a big piece in, um, I think, in just, uh, you know, shaping my life in general and shaping my future and shaping my theology and shaping how I felt about God. Um, and I don't think any of those things, um, I mean, it was a negative experience. It was not a fun experience. But I think I don't look back at that as a negative, like, out, uh, sum of those parts, um, but rather something that just shaped who I am and put and, and continued me on the path that I feel like we were, I was already on. Um, my dad said, you know, um, we didn't have a lot of money. We're, uh, uh, growing up. And my dad just always said, um, when you do something, it's like you're signing your name to it. And he said, sometimes all you got is you don't have two, two, uh, nickels to rub together. All you have is your name. So make sure when you do something, um, it matters that you're signing your name to it. Mm. And so, um, trying to do, um, uh, I had to Google this cause I, I'm like, I know, I pretty sure mother Teresa said something like this. So I just actually like, like doing great, great instead of doing like looking at the things that I'm part of, um, it, I'm really not concerned about doing a giant big thing. Uh, I just want to do what I'm doing, um, well and doing, uh, so, so mother Teresa says, I try to do small things with great love and, um, I try to do the things that I'm doing uh, and sign my name to that. And um, I think probably I think I think especially about my dad being gone because, you know, I still want to make him proud. I still want to um, have him be like stoked about the things I'm part of. And when I look at the way that he was part of things, um, it just seemed regular. It, it just seemed like a normal like it was, a, it was a small thing, but he did it with great love. And so um so I think that shaped a lot of how I am and who I am. And then I think of my exit um, at the church pushing me into starting a nonprofit. I never would have done that um, had it not been for a little push. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I had thought about doing some, some other things. I had, like I said, I had entertained a few other jobs. I had entertained some ideas of doing other stuff, but you know, what I was doing was working and what I was doing was going well and we were having fun and things went well at the church and, um, until they didn't. And then, you know, mm. we had, there were some disagreements with staff and, and, uh, and so it just was clear that we were going separate ways, but I was like, ah, this is, but, but what will I do? You know, it was kind of nerve wracking. And, um, I think without that being the worst, um, I wouldn't have been ready for something that could be uh, the best. And I, and I think of God in that conversation and myself and him saying, I got this cool idea. I think this could really be cool. I think, you, I think like looking at where you've, what you've done. And when I was in youth ministry working at the church, we had bands come through all the time. And so I had a bit of that in the, my background. I, like I said, I worked with, the, with this music festival. I had a bit of back, that in my background. Um, I have kind of a, like, I like to fix stuff. I like to tinker on things. I like to, so there was some of that that I think could be helpful. I like to drive. I like to travel. So anyways, I, th I just get, I kind of felt like this conversation with God, like, I, like, look, I got this cool idea. I know it sounds crazy, but if you're interested, I think this could really be fun. If not, that's okay. Do something else. Like, well, it's all right. But I think this could be a fun thing. 
And I think that because that's how I view God calling me into the job that I'm doing right now, um, I'm able to hold on to that pretty loosely and, uh, and be like, well, it's still a thing and it still seems to be um, meeting a need and there still seems to be artists that want us to be part of what's going on. So this is what we're still doing. And when, it's, when, it, when we come to the end of that, then we'll, then we'll let go. And we hold loosely um, because I think it's a fun adventure. And I think being willing to serve um, and go, I think that always leads to adventure. Yeah, that's that's great, man. I love hearing this. Um, you know, really nothing um, with God is wasted. You know, whether it is those those difficult experiences we go through, those darker seasons, or you know, just the the kind of mundane day to day life experiences we have, maybe a job we held, or you know, some projects we tend to like to invest ourselves in. Like he he doesn't waste any of it. It can all be rolled into you know, this call he places on our lives. And um, the invitation really, uh, you know, for those who are looking to Jesus and, and faith and, or trust and hope is, uh, you know, to be a part of this new thing he's always doing, you know, as uh, new heavens and new earth. So so I love that nothing yeah. is, absolutely, is wasted, you know, and all those experiences you've had of, yep. you know, God has used to lead you to where you guys are today and how you're investing yourselves. Well, just as we tie things up here, I wanted to, uh, you kind of alluded to this uh, in the last few uh, comments you made there, but what do you have, uh, or I should say, do you have a sense of what the next venture ahead of you is? Um, we've lived in the house that we're living in now for seven, almost 17, you know, a little bit over 17 years. Um, I see us never moving. We painted our bedroom when we moved in. I have zero desire to paint it again. <laughs> if that gives you an idea into my poor wife's uh, daily life when she wants to paint something, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We already painted that. It's already good. So I'm very much a, like, we're good. This is good. This is working. Sort of a brain. Uh, but at the same time, I love to travel. I love adventure. I love mountain biking and snowboarding and um, getting out on a train in Europe and looking ahead at, okay, this is the options. This is supposed to be what's in this town. I'm going to get off and go check it out and see, see what's there. So it's a pretty weird dichotomy in my poor little brain. And again, my poor bride has to navigate um, that my next adventure could either be me hanging out here and doing the exact same things that I'm doing because I love, um, I love serving. And I, and again, each time I do that, I see that as an adventure and it might look completely different. And uh, maybe what God has for us here changes. Uh, this has been a weird last year. I feel like there's still, um, need. I feel like there's still place for us to serve, but it's been a weird year in the touring community. And so I'm not sure what's going to come out the other side. I don't know what music's going to look like and touring is going to look like. Most likely it'll look like it did and maybe even bump up a notch, but you know, I don't know. I don't know that. So, yeah. um, somewhere in my brain, the idea of sailing is super, super <laughs> exciting and interesting to me. Yeah. And I started, not that I've actually sailed, 
but the idea of sailing. Yeah. <laughs> so I like the idea of sailing. I've never been on a sailboat. I think it would be amazing. Uh, we used to go to Belize, uh, often take students down there. And um, there's a town called Big Creek. Uh, there's a place called Monkey River, this really small town that is like a river that goes way in- inland from the ocean, the Caribbean Ocean there. And it's gorgeous and uh, really simple and really quiet. And there's these double-hulled catamarans that were in the... Um, marina there and I'm like oh man someday I would love to bring artists down here and uh serve these people that we know or we go and just um help them in the ministry that they already have going on yeah really learn a lot about serving and a lot about simplicity and living that way and then um spend a couple days with them because uh, they always wanted to take us to the keys oh we want to take you to the reef it's beautiful you got to see our beautiful country and then jump on a sailboat and go do like a two-day art- artist retreat or something like that. So I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but let's just put it out there. Oprah, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> um, I would love to do some sort of sailing thing. I think, I think I would like sailing, not like way out in the middle of the Pacific where you can't even see land, but you know, yeah. uh, like uh, entry-level sailing. Um, I watched this, uh, this dumb YouTube show. Um, it's not dumb. Uh, it's maybe dumb that I watch it. But it's um, this dude bought a, a hurricane-damaged yacht, and he's, like, fixing it up and sailing around, and it's massively interesting to me in a nerdy sort of way. Yeah. Uh, so Parley Revival, if you want to watch uh, some nerdy TV with me. But, um, yeah, I think for some, something about that adventure of being out there in a way um, and serving and still taking in uh, beauty in a way that... Uh, is harnessed by the wind. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about it. Like so. So who knows? Maybe that. Yeah, I've, I, I'm with you. Do sign me up. I'll, I'll be there. I'll, I'd love to All be right. part of that. I, I have done a little sailing. It is pretty, uh, pretty awesome. I've actually done some racing, and sailboats. Strangely enough, and almost fell off the boat while it was listing to oh, one wow. side. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. But um, hey, um, Oprah did just text me. She said, "Check under your seat. <laughs> Check right, under your chair." <laughs> Right. So you might have an envelope <laughs> down there. So, but the only uh, thing under my under my chair is some old gum. And, oh yeah, and well. now I'm really sad. <laughs> hey, I think it's awesome, man. I got, God really does. Um, you know, as we're walking with the Lord, I think he, he downloads his desires and dreams into us. You know, and oftentimes, and while that does take some time and uh, um, to discern and and to wade through, with the help of community, oftentimes and certainly scriptures. I mean that. Those are something to pay attention to, particularly those persistent passions that just don't go away, you know, to, to have a conversation with God about them. So, so I'm excited to see what will happen. Well, hey, as we close today, um, for those who would like to learn more about your work and uh, maybe even get in touch with you, how could they best do that? Um, if you're on the Facebooks, uh, facebook.com slash lights out page, and it's L-I-G-H-T-S-O-U-T, lights out page. Um, otherwise, socials, it's Live Lights Out, um, L-I-V-E. And uh, then we have a website that is currently being redone. But um, if you go there, you can possibly find a few things that are live and linked. And um, that's livelightsout.org. Fantastic. Well, Dave, thank you again. A really uh, a privilege of mine to call you a friend. And I'm really grateful you were willing to take some time out to share some of your journey with us on Edge of the Wild. We'll catch you soon, friend. All right, man. It's great to be with you. All right. Blessings. I hope this episode of the Edge of the Wild podcast challenged and inspired you. 
For more information on this episode, please see our show notes. If you'd like to know more about our sponsoring organization, Soul Friend, and its related services and events, please visit artistsoulfriend.com. My name is Shane Tucker, and the best is yet to come. The quote in the podcast intro is from J.R.R. Tolkien's renowned work, The Hobbit, or There and Back Again, published in 1937.